Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Onward Thinking with Caleb Gipple and Avery Johnson. All right, we are ecstatic about the episode that we have for you all today. Avery and myself ventured into previously <laughs> unexplored territory, territories and tried our hand at none other than the game Dungeons and Dragons. Avery, what were your thoughts? Well, first off, I think we just need to to cap and just kind of do a little bit of an introduction on the fact that we both have no experience with Dungeons and Dragons. None whatsoever. But it was a really fun time. Uh, we had my brother, uh, Addison Johnson, and a good friend of ours, Nathan Zoss, who you might hear us refer to him as Zoss throughout this episode. Uh, they took us on this epic journey through the game. Uh, just a, a quick one hit instead of like a, a campaign or anything, but Zoss was kind enough to put together this really elaborate, fun story that we were able to work through over the course of a couple hours on an evening. Uh, and we had recorded it, but we're not up to par on our editing and we kind of lost it. <laughs> but that is great for you listeners because in the near future, we may have a bonus episode where we can drop some audio from our gameplay, which is riveting and will keep you on the edge of your seat. But as for now, there will be no <laughs> there will be nothing from the You won't the game. get to hear that episode, unfortunately, <laughs> as of now. Maybe, maybe we might maybe be able to recover it. Um, and so we apologize if Zoss and Addison are out there listening. We apologize that we recorded you for two hours and <laughs> we didn't use that <laughs> as of now. But it's a really good time. Uh, there's so much to know about Dungeons and Dragons, but then once you get into it, it really starts to, to come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. And we were fortunate enough to have, as Avery mentioned, two Dungeons and, and Dragons uh, former dungeon masters to help us learn the, the the very small details that were easy to overlook, such as what what set of die to use, or you know, calculating your character, which is in itself a science. And took considerable amount of time. Zoss helped us both for an hour, hour and a half, just building our characters. Yeah, uh, getting them up to par and getting ready for this this one hit wonder we were doing. Yeah, it was amazing at how much goes into it and that's one thing i would say if if somebody hasn't tried dungeons and dragons and it seems like just another strategy game the amount of effort and labor that goes into developing a character it's not just you know pick the coolest skin for a character on a video game you're going into what intelligence level and you know what skill survivor skill and there's so many different attributes that could completely alter your adventure altogether. Yeah, backstory too. You got to think about your character and where they're coming from. Um, we were we were pretty amazed by it. So, first off, let's just talk about the characters that that we developed. Um, I made a character named Amelian Marks. He was a ranger, half elf, half human. Uh, had a lot of good. Uh, history when it came to like um, the beginning of the uh, the world, I just kind of knew some of that as his, as his background. Um, he really had some power against humanoid characters. Then he was also really good with animals or familiars, and he actually had a, a pet hawk or a yeah, yeah he had the a pet a, hawk, a blood hawk um, yeah. named Max or Maximilian. Um, so that was a, a pretty neat thing. <clears throat> 
And it was kind of fun to play with him, even though the Bloodhawk did prove to be kind of useless later on in the game. <laughs> he tried. He tried. I think I just got unlucky with my with my die rolling. Um, but a million was really fun to play. Addison turned out to be a warrior class who was kind of snarky and uh, had a, a cynical outlook on life and just kind of wanted to do his own thing a little bit. Zoss was a mage character, and Zoss was also a dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Zoss proved really helpful. And Caleb was the Gipster. Yeah, the Gipster. And the coolest thing about this character is that its race was a changeling. And for someone that's not into the D&D realm, uh, a changeling can shape into different personas and different people, which added such a cool flair to the game. Altogether, though, Gipster was the coolest character involved in the game, hands down. Uh, that's all you need to know. He had he had some cool statistics, and uh, and it was really fun character to play with just in terms of the details. I think the coolest aspect of him, however was his sleight of hand and stealth and that came into play throughout the gameplay a lot but knowing what i know now would i develop my character differently yeah hands down um but it was still gipster was a fun character and that's the cool thing too is that you can develop these characters over multiple games multiple sessions especially if you're doing a campaign you can even take them to different campaigns with other people Mm -hmm. uh and just kind of introduce them to the game, which is kind of fun to think about and fun to do. It can get pretty expansive, and you can spend a lot of time with these characters. Uh, And then, like Gip said, I think in the future I would probably do a different character. I have a couple of different ideas for some really cool backstories, because this game is as much about strategy and luck as it is about storytelling, if not more so about storytelling. Yeah. Um, So that's really... I, I love that side of it. I'm I'm glad that you brought up the storytelling aspect of it as well, because I think that's what makes this the D and D game so cool is the ongoing plot of whether you're part of a campaign or even if you were doing just like a one hit like we did. This never ending aspect of the game opens up so many different possibilities, and it makes it this weird intersection between the strategy of one of your one of your favorite games like chess and storytelling Mm -hmm. uh, which i think just creates such an awesome opportunity for for kids that are trying to get involved in this to to develop their ability to be storytellers oh i've seen kids playing this at the library before which has been really sweet to see really uh and i can't believe i haven't tried it out before either i'm surprised my brother and i didn't play it growing up um it's it's really fun. I, I could see myself doing more of it in the future or in the future with my own kids. And I think there's a lot of good skills that can come out of it, too. Um, and there's plenty of skills that you can give your character. But as far as, like, real, real life skills that yeah. we can give to ourselves, there are a lot of different things that we can, we can focus in on. Um, do we want to move more into that? Yeah, I'd love to. Since you mentioned skill, I would say one of the big ones that stood out to me would be the teamwork aspect mm-hmm. uh, from Dungeons & Dragons, especially if you have a campaign. I'm thinking of one in particular on our campus, at least, where there are six or seven guys that participate in this, and like three of them are chaotic good, uh, that kind of realm. And they've kind of bonded together. And anyways, what, whatever problem your story throws at you and your fellow D&D players, you will have to band together. And, yeah. and, and so it's a great opportunity to teach teamwork. And I think so often we think 
oh, you can only learn teamwork from organized sports like football or, or you know, baseball, and that's nothing against those sports. But it's important to remember that we can learn something as valuable as teamwork from a board game or well, a game. Maybe even more so because there's not really a chance to be an all-star in this kind of realm. You all have to work together. You all have to, you know, collaborate in order to... to to come off some some big challenges and if you don't like maybe you backstab someone that might be kind of fun but if you end up killing them they're they're out of the game unless they make a new character uh but there's also i mean there are moments to shine but everyone kind of has their own moments to shine in this game and really the person that shines the most is the person that has the best imagination and can kind of think of ways to solve problems or ways um Mm -hmm. new paths to take um, and even that's for the good of the group, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so everyone has the chance to rise to the occasion. And you could do that in an organized sport like baseball, softball, volleyball, basketball, whatever sport you want to think about. But in those sports, a lot of times you, you have your all-stars that you tend to rely on and that tend to take a lot of the spotlight just because they're really talented and really good at what they do. Um, and I think that's something to kind of think about because sometimes those all-stars can hog the ball. And granted, you could probably hog the ball on this by trying to take the spotlight and the story where you wanted to go. Um, but really, if everyone's working together, uh, you should be able to avoid that. And I guess that's maybe one of the, the lessons of improv, too, of just being in an improv group. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. kind of improv that's kind of associated with this. Uh, but you don't say no. I mean, you want to just go with the flow. You want to go <laughs> and just see what happens. Uh, and then also you don't try to hog it. You don't try to make it all about yourself. Your success is dependent on the success of the group. That's such a good point because especially for the scenario that we found ourselves in as we were going through our initial D&D experience, towards the end, we found ourselves in, stuck in between a rock and a hard place, frankly. And people were getting knocked unconscious and we're pretty much on the verge of death. And instead of running away or focusing on the battle, the emphasis was on how can we get our team members back into the game? And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so I think teamwork was the one that stood out to me the most. Were there any others that you thought, wow, this really stands out? Or Yeah, there are quite a few, actually. Um, imagination. I mentioned improv. Acting a little bit. Um idea generation, leadership. Uh, there's a lot of really good ones. I, I want to touch on the leadership one too. I, I'm glad that we mentioned like improv and all that too. I think there was a, a great chance for leadership because while there's not like a formal leader of the group, there was always an opportunity for someone to take charge. And take the initiative. And like you shared it earlier, but there is always a need for a creative solution (laughs) because there's always going to be a problem that the group is running into. And the leader in that sense is the person that has the creative solution that's the best for the group. So in a sense, it it also could teach young folks that are playing it, you know, healthy leadership, or this is what leadership is because their older generations will just may view leadership as just a title or, oh, you have to be the dungeon master to be a leader or whatever. Yeah. Um, but D&D brings leadership down to its core of, you know, who is looking out for the best of the group and can create the solutions. Absolutely. Uh, and I think we can we can kind of illustrate those examples if we kind of give that insight into the game that we played. And so let's talk a little bit about that and then dive into some of the examples, uh, kind of display these different skills that we learned um, this game embodies. Uh, so Zoss was kind enough to put together this campaign or this one-hit wonder like we were saying that 
really kind of allowed us to to really explore Dungeons and Dragons. And when I thought of Dungeons and Dragons, I thought of this world where it's really unexplored, it's kind of mythical, there are mythical creatures, uh, might be a little bit dangerous. I kind of thought of Lord of the Rings, I guess, as they trek yeah. out to Mordor. Um, but Zoss put something together that completely defied my expectations, and this is another wonder, is that the world that you build for Dungeons and Dragons doesn't have to be um, set in stone into one thing. It's, it's pretty flexible. And so what Zoss did for us is he basically put together this storyline where we were these different adventurers coming together, uniting, um, and we were invited to this party at this mansion. And I was like, how can D&D has like a, a mansion? <laughs> what setting are we in? What are we doing? It was still mythical. We all had different powers, different skills, and mm-hmm. we had weapons and um, creatures. And we went to this, this party at this mansion, and that's kind of where it all started. We were invited by this other group of adventurers uh, that were just solely in the game that is also so kind enough to play for us and um, basically kind of give us an idea of what their personalities were like. Uh, and during that time, right when we got there, something started to happen. Um, the room was locked down, and there was a death. Someone was poisoned. Yeah. And it was kind of like this murder mystery. And our four adventurers, our, our group of four, decided to take it on and try to you know, solve the what, what what was happening what was what was going on so that's kind of a insight Caleb you can take it from here yeah well and I love that too because as soon as the <clears throat> first death happened it became this massive elaborate game of clue in a sense because it's this huge mansion with two floors all these rooms to explore and so many different characters that are a part of it so our party then had to make these decisions of getting to the bottom of it and as we did that, we started to meet and get to know more of that that core group of famous adventurers and them coming across near-death experiences. So as we went through this plot, we found ourselves in these mini battles, if you will, or, you know, these little, little skirmishes. Yeah, where we were saving these adventurers and and still at the at the same time trying to piece together what's happening who are these people and why are they trying to kill these adventurers yeah it was it was mind-boggling and so we were locked in that room right off the bat no one was allowed to leave but our group decided they wanted to leave addison's character wanted to leave he was trying to find some booze (laughs) he wanted some mead to drink yeah (laughs) and so we busted into the kitchen uh and then from there kind of worked out into the living room uh and in the living room we found one of the adventurers um, basically being sidetracked by the, these people in disguise um, who were eventually going to kill him, but we scared him off for a little bit. We fought them off. They disappeared into the walls because there's like these secret hidden wall chambers that we were able to explore later on in the game. And then this is when things started to kind of diverge a little bit. Um, The Gipster climbed up the chimney to go to the upper level and try to spy on the... (laughs) I may have been persuaded to go up the chimney. (laughs) To spy on the other adventures that he could. And that was one thing that, you know, Zoss, being the the dungeon master, hadn't even thought about. He didn't think that anyone could climb up the chimney, but Caleb's character could because... You know, he was a sneaky spy type. And that was something that we saw on this map that Zoss had had brought for us that we were able to reference and that he could totally go up the chimney and get to the get to the roof and then spy a little bit. And then mm-hmm. I think Addison's character or Zoss's character ends up going outside and finding a, one of the horses in the barn and, like, 
brings it back and Gip's character's on the roof and it's like, what is happening with that horse coming back? <laughs> and the horse like launches into the living room through the window because there's like these big Florida ceiling windows that he was able to go through and kind of cause a diversion and a big battle ensues. It was kind of crazy. That's a crazy scene. Yeah, and that's, that's so true. There's so many crazy scenes that stand out from this whole thing. And one of them being the horses. And that's what's... <laughs> I mean, granted, some of it is planned, but then you can just create the weirdest things like Addison's character grabbing that horse and then dragging some poor attacker off in the distance yeah. by the back of a horse. We did do that. We took one of the attackers and tied them right up behind that horse. And just gave it a smack on the rump. We were in the Wild West there for a second. <laughs> It was a good time, though. And there's, like, a lot of fun moments. And the neat thing, too, is, like, we're able to have these separate storylines. So the Gipster's character goes off. We do our own thing. We start to, mm-hmm. um, a couple of my character. I think my character and Asin's character um, go into the, the walls to try to track down one of the other attackers. Um, and then our group ended up meeting up again in the in the main lobby area. Oh, and this is where it gets good. Yeah, yes. that's is where it gets, it's, pre- it's pretty interesting. Two different battles kind of started to happen Zoss and Caleb I think ended up outside somehow and were in a battle at the fountain with these yeah. these attackers which ended up being changelings I and and I have I am in a changed form as well this is a key yeah a key, a key part insight. so with the changeling I could change form so I was a different person at this point and yeah I had a near-death experience my life flashed before my eyes <laughs> as my character uh, and his hit points slowly disappeared. And then, yeah, meanwhile, our comrades over in the building, they're having a battle as well. And we're all just getting destroyed. But I think that's another key component where your D&D game and its quality is going to be determined by the extent of your creativity, but also on the skill set of your dungeon master because we had a true tried and true expert with Nathan Zoss and and Addison, and they were able to keep up with these two different battles and storylines going on simultaneously, which was very impressive in my eyes. Absolutely. And I want to make sure that we note, too, that we weren't attacking all the time. We were trying to get down to the bottom of this, and we tried to do persuasion and negotiation, but our persuasion roles were not were not hitting. They were not going very well at all. And Avery's Avery's being modest. Avery wanted peace. But some of us, we just, we wanted a fight. I was a changeling with plenty of hit points. I was ready to go to battle. I, I kid, I kid. But yeah, it <laughs> unintentionally, we found ourselves right back where we started in trouble. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, if you want to try to be creative and persuasive, you need to have a character that is high in persuasion, so you have a high chance of persuading another character to do something. My character was not high in persuasion at all. And so I was having these great <laughs> ideas, like, we should try to get them to do this, or we should try to get them to do that. And they're, they're great ideas, and Zoss is like, yeah, that's I like that. <laughs> then, yeah, give it a roll, Avery. And then, and then it then doesn't <laughs> work out. Rolls a natural one or something, which, for those that aren't familiar with the game is like the worst role you can get and i think avery consistently got it throughout the night yeah that's true <laughs> my blood hawk got pretty poor roles as well but it was pretty fun and i think in that regard having these ideas of like okay well 
it may or may not have been my idea to tie up one of the attackers behind the horse. And I was able to mention that to another character, and that character was able to make it happen. Uh, and so having these different ideas that we were able to explore and, and try out are, are, is pretty fun. Uh, and as we continued on in the game, we went, you know, upstairs and um, found the rest of the Marvelous Five, or whatever they were called, the, those famous adventurers huddled up um, and about to be attacked by this the biggest and most bad change lane we'd seen yet. Um, and what we discovered was that this wasn't any, like, black and white picture. This was something that was built out of grays. We didn't know whose side to be on. We didn't know if we wanted to be on the side of the, the Marvelous Five or if we wanted to be on the side of the Changelings because it turned out the Changelings had suffered from the Marvelous Five's hand um, mm. in the past where the Marvelous Five basically massacred their people. Yeah, and, and we start, as we started to see this full picture of the storylines coming together but also find out these key details, it led to some pretty interesting discussion from the team. Keep in mind, we were very much a team as we were going through this, and you have five different minds, five different opinions trying to figure out, well, what side do we commit to? What side do we pick? What is our best plan of action? And I thought that was the pinnacle of the experience right there because you've got hours of this game and storyline unfolding, and then one major plot twist and now you find yourself questioning everything you've done in the game at this point yeah really i mean we thought maybe we should be on the side of the changelings and we'd already almost killed a couple of the changelings or quite a few we actually had quite a few <laughs> quite of the changelings so we we're like crap we maybe messed up and actually we wanted to try to talk peace but no luck there. You either die the hero or you live long enough to watch yourself become the villain. <laughs> so we were trying to we were trying to recover from that, or I was at least. I was like, I don't want to take everyone out. I want to find a way to peace. But after finding out what the Marvelous Five did, we ended up taking the side of the Changelings. And so after killing the Changelings, we tried to do our best to make sure that the Changelings that were remaining did not know about what had happened <laughs> with us. We may, ha- yeah, we could have turned on us. We may have withheld some very key information, but we ended up attacking the Marvelous Five, and that was a a battle that almost did us in because they were powerful players. I mean, Zaw started us out at level five, but if we were doing a real campaign, we probably would have started out at level one. Uh, so we had a little bit more of a chance, but these these Marvelous Five, they were like 12 and 13. They, they were high-caliber high individuals, and what pursued next may have been the greatest battle in the history of Dungeons & Dragons, which we will dive into right after this short break. And we're back. Well, when Caleb left off, he said it was probably the best or biggest or most gruesome, something along those lines, battle that D&D has ever seen. But we have to remember, this is the only experience with D&D that we've ever had. So (laughs) there might be a lot of other stuff out there. A little business bluff never hurt. (laughs) But it was a a pretty pretty good battle because we were on the edge of our seats during the entirety of it. Uh, A couple of characters 
passed out and then we were able to revive them and we were able to clinch the win thanks to the change lanes we allied with at the very last minute uh, and there's a couple surprise appearances by other beasts basically one of the the marvelous five had a, a familiar uh, lynx type pet that was pretty high level and was attacking us that we were able to take out but not before it wounded us pretty badly yeah and unfortunately avery's pet parrot or bird or whatever it was bloodhawk the bloodhawk stood no chance against this massive lynx <laughs> it didn't do any damage at all i went for the eyes but it just wasn't having any luck uh but it was a good battle we ended up finishing it uh and we, we stayed alive somehow uh and we limped out of there to go and fight another day and hopefully level up in the process <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if we'll revisit these characters again in the future or if we'll do another another one-hit wonder with them. Um, but I think for next steps, we have a lot of different possibilities out there. Uh, before we get into those, though, let's just talk a little bit about the fact that there is a lot of role-playing in this. Mm, yeah. That was something I wasn't super familiar with, yeah. and I was kind of, like, surprised about at the beginning. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, it's really an important skill. I mean, it's kind of like it's, it's improv, pretty much. It's a little bit of acting. You're thinking on your feet. Um, and there's a lot of good skills that come out of this. So kind of like we tied in earlier, we're talking about all these different skills. Um, but I thought, you know, there's another area that I use this role playing in to, to, to learn. And that was in a negotiation skills class that I took a couple years ago. One of my favorite classes I've ever taken. Uh, it was really focused on role playing. We were given scenarios where we were one side or the other. And we had to work with our, our classmates to basically solve them. We had to take on these characters that were written for us. We were given, like, basically these different goals of what we wanted to get out of the negotiation. And we were given um, some character, like, traits of the person and kind of an, um, an idea of what their mindset was going into it. And we had to try to embody that. And it's a really awesome learning experience. Yeah, I would totally agree. Not just with negotiations like Avery dropped an example of, but all throughout life, our ability to to take on that additional persona, but just to be empathetic and to try to see from additional viewpoints, I think was a big part of that as well. Where you're no longer just looking at this problem or this situation through your own just lens, you're trying to see it from different characters and and different players' viewpoints, which I think is extremely valuable regardless of what industry a person would be working in. Right. Um, we need more empathetic and compassion, compassionate leaders. And uh, I think that was a big part, too, of the role playing. And one of the, the best ways to learn is to learn by doing. Mm. And this is a low-risk way to do that, whether it's in negotiations or whether it's to learn about teamwork and just kind of imagining and creativity through Dungeons & Dragons. You could almost envision a day in the in the future where an HR firm of an organization takes a team and makes them play Dungeons and Dragons together to see how well and how how well they work together and how compatible they are. I'd be surprised if that's not already happening. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe if it's not happening formally, it might be happening informally. Yeah, it's a fun time. So, Caleb, what are what are your next steps after this whole experiment? with Dungeons and Dragons. How are you going to apply this? What are you going to do? Well, my my initial step is to be more of an advocate for Dungeons and Dragons. I will admit fully that prior to this, I perceived Dungeons and Dragons as more of 
a nerdier activity in a sense, if that's fair. But I never took the time to actually understand it. And after getting to participate in it for a session to learn more about the process and just how much goes into this game and the benefits of it, uh, I see myself being more of a vocal advocate and encouraging individuals to try it out. Absolutely. And, and because I think anybody that gives this a shot would be made better having done so. That's a big step for me. As for me personally, I could definitely see myself hopping in for uh, another pop-up now or there. I don't see a, a campaign in my future just as I finish up my studies. It's difficult to commit that night every every week or every every other week towards a campaign. But definitely being an advocate for this experience and participating as much as my schedule and my lifestyle allows in the near future. Yeah, even if it was just a campaign for you know once a month over the course of twelve months, you could really stack up the the story from that. Yeah, It'd be kind of fun. Very true. What so, about yourself, Avery? Yeah, I would like to. I think I would like to get into a campaign again. I've had kind of an idea for this kind of explorer, whimsical, um, mindful character. Uh, and the campaign that I'd like to go on is kind of like this unexplored adventure of these these, these lands, um, kind of like a Lewis and Clark expedition, so to speak, uh, and to see what would happen through that. I think that would be a really fun thing. Lewis and Clark expedition has always been something that captured my imagination. And so doing that in a mythical setting with creatures and uh, lands that aren't we're not familiar with would be really, really fun. So that's kind of what I want to do. I don't know when I'd implement that campaign, um, but I think I I would agree with Kill. I don't know if I could dedicate like a week to it um, or make it it that regular, but I was thinking once a month wouldn't be undoable. And it's a great way to stay connected with some good friends and bond Mm -hmm. um, and create these good experiences and memories. And just get get creative. If you're feeling like you haven't had a chance to have a creative outlet in a while or be really creative at your work, I think that finding a group of individuals to dive into uh, you know, a world with and be creative would be a huge benefit. Absolutely. And I think... I think I could even see myself being a dungeon master for that type of campaign and um, mm. taking the lead on that. That'd be kind of a fun thing to do. Um, it would require a little bit more preparation, but it'd be worth it. Um, and I definitely want to see um, this happen. I don't have kids yet, but in the future, I hope to, to bring them into this. I think it'd be a great way to pull them off of screens uh, and pull them into family time, fun family time. And I think they could learn a lot from it, like we were talking about from those different skills. Um, but then also just learn to work together um, and kind of pull their weight in the family. <laughs> instead of a, instead of kids fighting over control of the TV or control of the remote, they'd be fighting over what decision to take as they're going through a storyline. Yeah. I, I see it happening already. That would be a fun <laughs> thing to do. And especially because I'm going to be around them for, you know, 18 plus years when they're around the house but even beyond that it'd be a great way to just stay connected with them uh, and see them develop and the characters that they create develop definitely very cool and maybe uncle gip will be invited for one once in a while dungeons and dragons session you'd be invited for more than one you could jump in whenever (laughs) i love it any final thoughts on the dungeons and dragons realm if you have the chance or you know someone who does Dungeons & Dragons, take them up on the opportunity to do uh, a quick session with them, even if it's just one. Build a character, 
try it out, role play a little bit, tell a story, explore a new world, and see where it takes you. Uh, this is something that both Gip and I overlooked and kind of discredited or um, basically scoffed at for the longest time, and we were so wrong. Very well spoken. Not much I could add on. So that concludes our thoughts around the Dungeons and Dragons episode. We hope you all enjoyed and we appreciate you tuning in to listen. We have some awesome content coming up in the future that we are really excited about. Some cool ideas that we are diving into and some really neat stories that we're excited to share with you all. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. And we look forward to having you on in the future on another episode of Onward Thinking.